Hey everybody, what's up? Welcome into Best of the Fours, presented by BetMGM. It is Monday, April 25th. Michael Beller here with you. On this episode, we talk NBA playoffs, Monday night's games. Joining me are two very familiar voices for basketball on Best on the Board. Let's start out today with Dan Santaramita. Dan, what's going on, man? How's your weekend? Oh, my weekend was good. I actually took, uh, I watched some games, but I decided not to bet anything because I was going kind of hard there for a bit. I was like, you don't need to play three or four things every night. Take it easy, even though I was on a semi-decent run. Um, But yeah, this first round, way more competitive than we would expect it after the weekend's games in particular. Yeah, unbelievable. We got a lot of two twos. We've got just one possible sweep left on the board. It is uh, a really fun first round. Definitely not what I was expecting two weeks ago when we started up these NBA playoffs. Brandon Funston here as well. Funston, how you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. Had a had lots going on this weekend. Watched some basketball and uh, got a lot done. So uh, coming into uh, coming into this week, not quite rested, but uh, ready to watch these series come to completion for sure. Yeah, not quite rested, but ready. That's uh, that's just that's how we are this time of year. That's how we are in the NBA playoffs, and that's what we're going to get into Monday's games on this episode of Best on the Board. So, what are Monday's games, you ask, if you don't already know? Well, they are Nets and Celtics, Sixers and Raptors, Mavericks and Jazz. Let's get going with Nets and Celtics. Celtics looking for the sweep later tonight. The Nets, however, are favored by just a point and a half at home. 219 and a half is the total on this game. I think the Celtics get it done. Um, I don't want to pat myself on the back too hard. I'm going to do it. I'm going to give myself a light tap on the back. You guys probably remember a week, 10 days ago, whenever the first game of this series was, I said that I just think the Celtics are the best team in this series. I think the Celtics are the best team in the East, and I thought that they were going to win this series. I did not think it was going to be potentially a sweep. I thought that Brooklyn would be able to make a good series out of it, but I felt very comfortable that Boston was going to be the team that was moving on to the second round from this series. So now that looks like a foregone conclusion. I think they get it done tonight. I'll take the one and a half and ride with the Celtics. Funston, anything for you in this game? Yeah, I'm not sure that Brooklyn's going to go out like that, getting swept. Each game's been close, but I, I you know, I, I, I'm more interested in the uh, game total and taking the under at 220 because if you've noticed, um, the series has gone down in every game. Every yeah. game has been a lower point total. It started at 229, and each sub- subsequent game has been lower scoring, and each each team has scored slightly less in each game. So I'm just going to follow that trend and take the under. Um, I would not be shocked if Brooklyn ends up getting one. Like I said, I have a hard time believing that KD is going to go out like that getting swept. But Boston's a great team. Give them, give them respect. Uh, and, but I'll just take the under on the game total. Oh, I'll also take it. I'll also take it uh, an under on Jason Tatum. 43 and a half PRA because yes. there's a little recency bias there based <laughs> off of his last game in which he had 39, but he was under in, in, in the other games. He was under in a lot of games leading into the, uh, into the postseason. So he got a little spike there because he had that 39 point outburst. Um, but you know, any of the other games he would have been under. This is such a stay away from me. I like, I like the total. I think the under is a good play when you mention that, but man, I, I have no idea what to make of this. Obviously I was way wrong. Well, well, not officially, but when I said uh, about a week ago or so, I said, "Oh, this is going to go seven, and I put some money on that. I was like, "Oh, this is, <laughs> the, you know, this is the only series that could be a sweep left. That's insane. This is the, what we yeah. are highlighting as the the you know feature series of the first round, and it could be the only sweep. I don't know if I should expect Brooklyn to lay down or KD to finally show up. I I just I can't 
I don't feel comfortable playing either side. Um, but man, this series has just been such a surprise to me. I mean, the games have been close. That's absolutely true. I yeah. mean, game one, game one very easily could have been Brooklyn's game. You know, Boston in games two and three, even though those were close games for sure, no question about it, Boston did was like was in control as the games started winding down. Uh, but I just feel like we've seen all we need to see in terms of who's the better team. I mean, that's why I go with Boston here. It's not. It's really nothing beyond that. I just think like. I don't know. They've been the better team. They've been the better team for the bulk of the season, and a lot of that had to do with Brooklyn's injuries, but still they were the better team over the course of the entire season. They've been clearly the better team in this series. I will just trust them to be the better team tonight. I'm really not trying to think it beyond that. Yeah, I agree. I feel like more often than not, like creating like emotional narratives has not been the way to go in these series. It's been typically, you know, look at the matchups, look who's been the better team, and in some cases, it's like, okay, the better team isn't playing quite as well because the matchups are, you know, coming into play a little bit more. But for the most part, like, you know, just just riding the better team has been the way to go. I'm, I'm, this obviously exists out there somewhere. I've got to look it up and find this. I would love to see the um, the percentage of series in, in recent NBA history that uh, have, when, when it's 3-0, how often does the sweep get finished off and how often does it just end up being a gentleman's sweep and we get to a, a fifth game before <laughs> the team that won the first three ends up wrapping it up. And hey, we're continuing this streak of keeping gentleman's sweep mentioned on this show. So I'm happy that we were able to get that in there nice and early. Celtics, one and a half point dogs against the Nets tonight. Maybe they can finish off the only first round sweep in this year's playoffs how about Sixers and Raptors guys this is one that looked like it could have potentially been a sweep Raptors end up taking a game so we head on back to Philly with the Sixers up three to one Sixers are seven and a half point favorites in this one two eleven and a half the total on this game James or excuse me not James Harden Joel Embiid now dealing with an injury that we know is going to require offseason surgery but putting it off for obvious reasons until the Sixers uh either get eliminated or are raising the Larry O'Brien trophy in a couple of months here so that's obviously going to have an effect not only on the rest of this series whether it's one more game two more games three more games what the case might be but the Sixers entire pathway going forward Dan how are you looking at this one well I think the only thing that makes me hesitate on the Sixers is the Embiid injury is it that big of a deal I kind of think it's probably not but I mean look if if we're talking about games one and two, right, the Sixers were blowing them out and seven and a half back going back home after they played two close games in the road. Seems like, you know, this is your gentleman's sweep. You know, this is the full scenario. Three zero. 3-0. Mm-hmm. The Raptors got one close game back uh, and now Philly's back at home. I don't know if, if Scotty Barnes really looked like enough of himself to make me think the Raptors are a better team. Certainly respect the effort him get out getting out there. And, and I think he had like 11 rebounds, which is nice, but I don't know that he's going to really tilt it. The only thing is seven and a half points with Embiid not quite 100% maybe is a concern, but my lean would be Philly for sure. Yeah, and, you know, Van Vliet's out now too, um, so he's not going to play. So, I, yeah, I'm leaning Philly as well. Um, I maybe maybe not to cover, just uh, to win, so I'm probably not betting on that. What I am mm-hmm. betting on is Gary Trent going over 23.5 PRA. He's been 24 points each of the last two games alone. So you get um, you know, Van Vliet's out. I, I think he's probably pushing 40 minutes once again. I mm-hmm. think he, mm-hmm. he should be able to get to that uh, point fairly easily in my mind. 
there's definitely some betting opportunities there on Toronto's side because of the the uh, the uh, um, Fred Van Vliet injury and the Scotty Barnes probably not all the way back to 100%. So you're going to have some opportunities there. And I think the same is said, can be said for a lot of the guys on the Sixers. You know, uh, Joel Embiid's going to be out there for sure. We know he's going to be out there. But yeah, if this ends up being that that you're know, following the course of the first couple of games of this series, like you know, they're gonna the Sixers are going to smartly look for rest anywhere they can get it for Joel Embiid, um, and just ways to keep that injury from getting worse. Because uh, obviously they've got even with that injury, they still have some big aspirations for these next couple of months here. So I think this is a James Harden game. He's got a 37.5 PRA for this one. He's been right about at that number in three of the four games this year. He's only gone over it once, um, but he has been right at it. He's been living right at it, and we know that you know his scoring has taken a backseat to Joel Embiid scoring ever since he went over to Philly. He's been a lot. He just hasn't been that Brooklyn scorer, that OKC scorer, that Houston scorer that we're used to seeing from James Harden. They're going to need that from him. Yeah, you know, he's going to have to step up a little bit in the scoring department with uh, MB dealing with this thumb issue. So I'm going to say that uh, that uh, James Harden is able on the back of you know maybe getting more into the 25, 26 point range rather than the 19 or 20 point range that he's been in for most of the series goes over the 37 and a half PRA. That again, he has been living right at just below that number. You give me no or a lessened impact from Joel Embiid scoring the basketball in this game. I think James Harden's the guy who picks it up. So I'm going to go with over the 37.5 PRA on James Harden. Dan, I want to circle back to you. Sixers as a lean, not as a play. Am I reading that correctly? Yeah, I think so. I think there's just too many question marks, and it's an awfully big number. If I remember right, I think it was only 6.5 for game two, and now I'm seeing 7.5, which, you know, not a huge deal, but I'm not sure my confidence is that much bigger to play that. Uh, The other thing I'm thinking about, though, is Tyrese Maxey, right? He had two huge games at home, in yep. uh, games one and two, and then was much quieter. In fact, his point totals have diminished from 38, 23, 19, 11. So what do we make of that? Is that just the, you know, a young player kind of in a big role in the playoffs the first time struggling on the road? Is it an adjustment from Toronto? Should we expect him to, to have a big game at home again? I'm kinda, I think there might be something there. 18 and a half, I believe, is the point total for him, the point prop mark for him. You want to go over that? Yeah, put me over that. Yeah, hell yeah, put you over there. I don't know. I, to be honest, I mean, I, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I've broken down the X's and O's of each one of these uh, games in this series. I would tend to think it's just sort of the the vagaries of a basketball series. And like, yeah. you know, Tyrese Maxey is still a young guy. He's not someone who we're going to think is going to go out there and average 30 points over an entire series. Right. He had a great game in game one and sort of has just come back to earth uh, in games three and four. But I think 18 and a half, like the... the it's a similar line of thinking for why I like James Harden's PRA over. Uh, it does feel like they might need to lean on Maxi a little bit more in this series, in this game. Excuse me. Yeah, I, I think that's it. And hey, look, he's gone over three of the four games. And I mean, maybe Barnes. I don't know if he's. I, I didn't watch enough of Game Four. Maybe he matches up with him a little bit, but uh, I don't know. Again, he's not a hundred percent, so I'm not sure I'd, I'd factor that in too much in, a, in the decision there. Game five, Jazz Mavericks. What a series this has been. Just super fun games, unexpected results, fourth quarter comebacks, ridiculous individual performances from guys who we didn't necessarily expect. What's up, Jalen Brunson? This has just been a great 
great series. It promises to be a fun finish to this series. We head back to Dallas with this tied at two. The Mavs, two-and-a-half-point favorites in this game, 212-and-a-half. The total on it. Funston, how do you break down game five oh, between the Jazz man, and the Mavs? I feel like I have less of a less of a feel for who's going to win in this series than I do in the other ones. Um, yeah. Luca came back, and, and, and they won by a point. Um, I guess what I'm feeling best about – uh, is is the over it's 213 um it's been under twice been over twice um but man with luca back and you know i'm looking at that the game game three it was 126 to 118 was way over and i just feel like as these teams get more comfortable with each other when you bring luca into the equation just more explosive scoring on the court in general i just feel like this is the game and they've been kind of ping-ponging mm-hmm. up up and down and this is uh this would be a time for them to be ping-ponging back up so i'll take the over on the 213 and give me luca for a double double i love when luca's at like reasonable juice for a double double like it's minus 120 when you're getting it close to like the kind of the norm of minus 115 uh luca for a double double when when he's always a good bet to either get 10 rebounds or 10 assists and he did it in his first game back um i think he had 44 double doubles in 65 games this year so you get it's i mean it's better so take the minus 120 i I think it's great odds for him to, to get to that yeah, that's definitely a good pull right there. It's something that, uh, like you said, whenever you can get it down uh, around that minus 110, that standard line, that's always a, a good one to take a look at, regardless of the defense being played on the other side. And frankly, the defense from Utah is what's, uh, you know, what what has made Dallas such a dangerous team in this series without Luka Doncic. It's been late, sloppy, not really lazy, but just sloppy on the perimeter, and that's part of the reason why we've seen a couple of big games from Jalen Brunson, the 8-3 game from Maxi Kleber a couple of games ago. Uh, sloppy perimeter defense from Utah. Maybe gets a little recentered now that they know they have to deal with Luka, uh, and they certainly look better in Game 4 with that comeback victory, 100-99, to uh, but definitely uh, been the weak point for Utah on at least a possession-by-possession basis in this series. Dan, you and I are on opposite ends of Uh-oh. this game. I like Utah plus 2.5. You like Dallas minus 2.5. I will be the gentle if you will, and let you take this one first. You make the case for the Mavs, and then uh, I'll come back and tell you why you're very wrong. <laughs> well, I, I think the Utah should have been much they, – they should have been in control of this series by now, right? The fact that Luka well, didn't definitely. play the first three games and they only won two of those – or only won one of those and then get mm-hmm. barely get game four when he comes back. I think that was the big miss. And the thing that got me is – like you were talking about with Luca, he'd 30, 10, and well, 10 rebounds and, and four assists. You know, he looked like Luca's shooting efficiency was there, and and Jalen Brunson still got to work in the offense because that was the thing I was a little not concerned but unsure about how because Brunson had been such a productive player in those first three games. How was you know his emergence combined with Doncic returning because mm-hmm. you know Luca's so ball dominant and Brunson was playing point guard how did they how are they going to get that to work and it did Spencer Dinwiddie did not have a great game that would be the one thing that would make me feel even more confident about Dallas they had another weapon uh if Brunson doesn't have a good game Dinwiddie probably will have a better game I think this is just you know this is a toss-up series going in Utah missed their opportunity and I think Luca looking like he did uh, is a sign to me that Dallas is going to take this series, maybe even in six. Ooh, <laughs> back-to-back victories maybe for the Dallas Mavericks. I just I, So 
over those first couple of games, you know, and especially um, you know, games two and three, obviously, the, the Dallas wins, like Utah's perimeter defense was so bad. It was just, it was ugly. It was just, a, it was bad, bad perimeter defense, and it was leading to a lot of opportunities for Dallas to score the ball. And you know, that's why we saw some at least uncharacteristic scoring lines from what we would expect, especially without Luka for this Dallas offense against Utah. And then I think we saw them get back to um, to some of their better fundamentals in game four. You know, Dallas made 15 threes, but they took 44 threes in that game. And so you're going to live with a you know 33% shooting percentage from three. If you end up giving up 15, but they need 45 shot attempts to get there, so be it. And so I, I just think we saw it. We saw cleaner rotations. We saw crisper communication from Utah defensively in game four. And, and I think that that is really where this could this series could turn for the Jazz. Um, this is also similar to what we talked about in the Boston-Brooklyn series uh, for the last couple of games here where it's just it's so closely contested that if I'm going to get a couple of points on really either side, I feel relatively comfortable taking it. I think when it comes down to it, Utah's the, the, the way that we saw them play defense in Game 4, if that's something they can carry through, that's going to be the difference maker in this series. And, and you, you, live, you you sort of have to live with Luka getting his. But, uh, you know, he needed he needed 31 shot attempts to get to the 30 points. And it was his first game back, yada, yada, yada. But again, like, that is something you'll live with. If, you need, if Luka needs to get 31 shots up to get 30 points, you'll absolutely take that. If you're Utah, I think it's still a, a sign of their defense getting back to what we expect that defense to be. Because it's not just a Rudy Gobert racing shots at the rim defense. I mean, that's obviously the strength of the defense. But they still do play better perimeter defense than what we saw from them in games two and three. And we saw it come back in game four. I think that's really the difference maker here. So give me the Jazz. Give me the Jazz plus two and a half. Funston, make a call here. Who's, who gave you the better argument there? <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. I'm going to call it a draw. Like I said, I'm not betting on this game. I have no clue. I just I feel completely lost as to which way this is going to go. So um, we'll just have to let this one play out. And you guys will, you guys can have your victory lap when it when it gets figured out. It's a hell of a series, and you know we're going to talk about Tuesday's games on uh, our next episode here. But you know that the, the Phoenix and New Orleans getting to two two. You know, obviously Devin Booker's injury is the story of that series. But if uh, like, I mean I don't know if Devin Booker, if we're talking about a still out Devin Booker or a hobbled Devin Booker, if Phoenix does advance, like I don't know this uh, the the winner of Utah and Dallas could be sitting in a very good spot depending on how Devin Booker looks. Uh, in a couple of weeks, if it's the Pelicans pulling off a crazy upset and winning that series, you got to be feeling pretty good if you're Dallas or Utah, uh, depending on how that all shakes out. So this is a huge game. As far as first round individual games of the first round go, game five between Dallas and Utah, you know, a couple of weeks from now, a month from now, we could point back to that being, you know, one of the uh, uh, inflection points on which this NBA playoffs turn. So a big, big game between Dallas and Utah wrapping up Monday's NBA playoff action. We're going to wrap things up here on this episode of Best on the Board. For Dan and Funston, I'm Michael Beller. Thanks so much for listening. Good luck, happy betting, and we'll talk to you soon.